0: Hey everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with this week's episode of the Jungle Roar podcast. You can follow the podcast wherever you download your favorite podcast online. Also, be sure to click on the YouTube link and subscribe to the Jungle Roar podcast on YouTube. Want to hear all of your comments, good, bad, and indifferent about the coverage of your Cincinnati Bengals. Speaking of Cincinnati Bengals, I welcome a new friend to the podcast this week, Mike Nislick. He does a tremendous job covering the NFL and the Bengals of course for cleveland.com. You can catch him on the Strictly Stripes podcast on cleveland.com. Mike, it's good to see you. Good to welcome you to the podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. This is yeah, the first
0: well, debut. I got to I got I got to I got to do good here to get get an invite back. I have no doubt you will do very well, otherwise I wouldn't have invited you on. There's that boost of confidence <laughs> to there start you off your uh, Jungle World podcast career. Uh, by the way, you can follow Mike Nizelik, uh on Twitter at Michael Nizelik. You want to spell your last name, all one word?
1: Huh. Yeah, N-I-Z-I-O-L-L-E-K.
0: There you go. And please do give him a follow. <laughs> he is tremendous. Uh, along with Mohammed Ahmed and uh, obviously Andrew Gillis. They do a tremendous job covering the Bengals uh, for Cleveland.com. And again, Strictly Stripes is the podcast. Jamar Chase, I don't think he's back this week against Tennessee. Maybe I'm being overly pessimistic here. A lot of people seem to think there is a possibility. I just think it's difficult to imagine a guy that exerts so much force uh, on his cuts and his you know downhill uh, running style as a wide receiver and his explosiveness, which is really what jamar Chase is known for um to be going from a fractured hairline fracture of his hip to being ready to play in an NFL game against a defense like the Titans. what do you think? well and I,
1: and I think they want him ready to go full full out like they don't want any half measures like they did with T where it's like well, we'll give him 10 snaps and see where he's at. I think it's play him. And then he's in for the rest, you know, like in for the long run here. Uh, and I think Zach Taylor's mentioned, you know, that a couple of times that they've they've kind of view it as uh, they're looking at the whole stretch here, not just one or two games. That if, right. if they're without him for Titans, as long as they have him the rest of the season, they're okay with that. I do think they'll give it a look. I think it'll depend on what he looks like on the practice field. You know, he's kind of what, what did uh, Brian Callahan say earlier this uh, couple just last week? I think insane physical traits. Uh, And those athletes do tend to heal quickly. They do tend to uh, do things quicker than, you know, maybe if we had a hairline fracture, you know, it'd take us probably six months, but you know, him, you know, you don't know once he gets on the field and he feels good, it's going to probably be hard to stop him. So I do think they'll look at it. Uh, But like you said, I think it's like if he's anywhere less than like, you know, 85%, they want him. I think that full thing, just to make sure nothing goes wrong here in the next couple of weeks. So you have him because they're looking at the longer term picture.
0: Right, and I think, you know, Zach Taylor was asked on Monday if it's a pain threshold thing, and he, like you just said, is said that, you know, we have to see him on the practice field to see what he can actually do uh, before we make any judgments. Look, it was clear on Monday that Zach Taylor is playing this close to the vest. I don't even think um, getting an impression from um, some officials inside the Bengals locker room that Jamar Chase is even going to talk this week I think it would be maybe later in the week maybe he's he talks on Friday but at at this point I think the Bengals really want to make sure he's like you said at the beginning full go and uh, ready to play for the Bengals it'd be great to have him against Tennessee but when you're talking about Kansas City Cleveland then the two road games Tampa Bay New England then the two home games uh Buffalo and Baltimore that's when I think they're going to really, really need them. I think they can probably get away uh, with, you know, the two wide receivers, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, who we'll talk about in just a moment. Um, Considering the fact, Mike, that they have scored 30 points in two of the three games uh, that they've played without them. Yeah,
1: there might've been a different urgency if they had laid another egg like the Browns game uh, coming off last week, but they played uh, really, you know, pretty well other than the, t- the two turnovers offensively they moved the ball they passed the ball well and T Higgins played um like so we'll get to it but like the number one seat receiver they've kind of labeled him as for the first time with chase out so yeah I think the urgency is not there I mean there's urgency to get him back but you, you, they, they like I said we, they want him you know they view it as Super Bowl aspirations playoffs and so with that in mind they have bigger goals and so you know you get the last couple of games you win those and so, you know, I, I think you could afford to be a little patient. Uh, but like I said, a, a lot of these, I think with, star, I mean, star players, the calculation is different, right? Because, you know, I think uh, yeah. Lou Adoramo said with DJ Reader, it's like when DJ Reader wanted to play 45 snaps coming off that injury, he's DJ Reader, we listen. So, you know, I think J- Jamar Chase will have a say that if he says, I'm good, you know, th- that will be an X factor into this. And, and a lot of these players do loathe missing time.
0: Right. And the one thing I'm looking for if I'm Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan on that field is can he explode? And even on that touchdown on where he caught it, I believe like the 15 yard line on the sideline, any outrage. And,
1: and, like, uh, yeah.
0: and he outran the Atlanta secondary it didn't look like he had that next gear he didn't need to have it because he he was able to beat everybody to the end zone but I think if I'm either Callahan or Taylor I want to make sure he's able to exhibit that at least a little bit in practice before I throw him out in the game that that's my sense well and didn't he say he's
1: like I'm surprised nobody caught me like I wasn't even running very hard or something like that he did after the game Uh, yeah so yeah no I agree with you I think that um, You want him to be, you know, I, I don't want, I don't think you want him on a snap counter situation like that. I think you want him hundred uh, percent. And so I, I I do think it's more up in the air. You know, I, I know fans will probably be like, oh, he's in, he's in, but I, I think it'll be sort of, you know, I think they'll, 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 they'll look at it this week, but I, I think I do think it's a toss up. All right. And so they're going to play it so. close to the best that, that they've been doing that the whole time. So uh,
0: Yes, and I and I think that's the smart way to play it. I don't think there's any reason not to play it close to the best. As far as yeah. T. Higgins is concerned, his numbers on Sunday were sensational: nine catches, thirteen targets. Believe the number was one forty-eight. Um, and what stuck out to me about T. Higgins was the one drive where he had four catches for fifty-five yards leading to a touchdown uh, by Samaj P. Ryan. I thought that was one of his best performances of the year in a situation where the Steelers knew that Joe Burrow was going to T. Higgins and every time he made the catch to me, that was really T. Higgins stepping up to that next level and really picking up the slack for Jamar Chase with, with Chase out of the lineup. Well, it was interesting too after
1: the game when Zach said basically T, you know, the first couple of drives, you know, basically the first quarter, nothing went his way. And so he came to Callahan on the, on the headset or, and, and, and Zach and said like, look, here's what I'm seeing. I think we could take advantage of it essentially next, next drive three straight passes, you know, he's winning man coverage, you know, he's getting the looks that he wants to go to him, uh, ended up getting a fourth pass and it was all him kind of the next couple of quarters. Um, you know, you can kind of see his growth as a receiver there. And, you know, those two games without chase, those first ones were, were forgettable for him. You know, most of his production came on a garbage time touchdown. Uh, and this is kind of critical. You know, you talk about, you uh, <laughs> he's got a contract coming up in a year or two and he wants to make that money. And this is a spot where without Jamar chase, I mean, this film will be important for him. You know, when people say, uh, is he a number one receiver without a guy like chase? And so this was a game that I think he's going to like to have, have, you know, on his resume, just to sort of say like, look, I can do this. And it was uh, winning a lot of one-on-one matchups uh, against the Steelers corners and and just beating guys. You know, he put his body up. the, The impressive catch was, uh right before the half when he leapt le- leaped in the air and uh gave you know his knees got knocked out from under him and he lands on his back holds onto the ball wins knocked out of him and, and you know he's putting his body on the line he's done that all season um but yeah it was it was a good game for him uh for, for still i think people forget a young receiver
0: very much so he's 24 years old i mean he is entering the prime of his career and people yeah. like you say people forget that about chase and T Higgins is that these guys are pre prime right now. I mean, I know Jamar chase looks like he's a spectacular player and he is, but he is not in the prime of his NFL career yet. He's approaching that. And I think that's why the Bengals are more likely than any other reason to sign these sign, try to sign both of those receivers and keep them around for Joe Burrow.
1: Oh, absolutely. They want this trio. Uh, and, and I think Tyler Board too, the, the, they, they think that that's the core of the team right, right there. It's like emotionally sort of like that they drive everything and, and um, they like that pairing. But in terms of Higgins, you know, he just wants to push up the bidding more, Right. And so as much as that production uh, can help him. But uh, yeah, you know, it's he, he's a really good target to have. You know, I think that's why, you know, when they expressed confidence with Jamar out, it was because they had Higgins. And, you know, he, he played like they, they kind of, I think, expected at the start of this uh, on Sunday against the Steelers.
0: David Mulligetta, athletes first, is his agent. And obviously we saw what happened with um, Jesse Bates in the offseason. That deal did not get done. Are you concerned about that in terms of the po- potential of the Bengals signing T Higgins long term?
1: I think it has to be a concern because you know, I think what you know, you invest a lot of money at one position that's hard to do, um, and you kind of have to sacrifice. And you've got uh, the Joe Burrow of it all kind of looming too. And is it a situation, you know, uh, you covered New England where Tom Brady took a little less money so he could have some of those weapons, you know? And I I think that's a consideration, right? I mean, does Joe Burrow need T Higgins or does he need the max, max, max deal?
0: That's a great. That's a great point. And yes, as I've been teased ad nauseum on the beat, but that's the blueprint, right? I mean, for, yeah, but
1: I, and I'm serious because I wasn't teasing you, but, but your experience there, like, you know, Lamar Jackson is going to anchor Baltimore in a way where they can't do some of the moves that they've done this year. Right. You know, you know, adding Roquan Smith and doing some of those things, like they're just not going to have cap room. And a lot of these teams, uh, you know, Seattle, you saw it a couple of years ago, they, they chose Russell Wilson. Obviously, that a lot went into that, but couldn't resign any of those guys on defense. You know, I had to choose. And so um, there is something to be said. You know, I, I think they do want T. Higgins and, you know, maybe Burrow has to sort of uh, <laughs> help with that. Right. I mean, you only have so much money to go around.
0: Here's the difference, Mike. In New England, I think what really ticked Tom Brady off at certain points was he did make those sacrifices, but he never got. The t- for the most part, there was the years, uh, very briefly with Randy Moss and Wes Welker, of course. Right. And yes, he had Gronk uh, for a good six or seven years. But and he had Julian Edelman. But those guys, all due respect to them, they're not Jamar Chase and T Higgins on the outside. That Brady yeah. never had that, and he. And certainly, Tyler Boyd is Wes Welker. And Wes Welker did a lot of the same things uh, as a slot receiver. Certainly, you can make that analogy. But Tom Brady,
1: yeah. what's that? I said that's a good comparison. Yeah, Welker and, comparison. Yeah.
0: And but with Tom Brady, he was. I think there was a underlying uneasiness or frustration that I made these sacrifices in my contract. Where are the players to show for that? And. Sure. Brady was always very calm, and he was always very careful in selecting his words when talking about the wide receiver core, because he knew, yes, I would like more explosiveness on the outside to kind of throw the ball downfield, but that's not what we have. That's not the way this offense is designed, and I'm going to win the way it's designed. And to me, that's what made Brady really Brady brilliant in that environment. With the Bengals, to their credit, I think they are like, they have Burrow, they want to give him the top two weapons possible, and that means Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And while we're talking about Tyler Boyd, you had a a, a great uh, piece on, I believe it was uh, today, right, or yesterday, on Monday, uh, about uh, securing the bag. Tyler Boyd, tell us about uh, writing that story and um, the bag that uh, he secured on the onside kick.
1: Well, yeah, we were talking to him, and he's got the ball that he the, – the onside kick, so he's you know on the hands team with T. Higgins. They bring them on. He fielded it. It wasn't an easy uh, – he read it well. I think you maybe asked him about it, uh, where it took that high bounce. He had a leap backwards. Then he got a late hit that got George Pickens thrown out for, for good measure. He keeps that ball all the way through. He doesn't let it go. Walking in the locker room with it like this. Uh, so we're interviewing him. And it's sitting there. And so, you know, we, we asked him about it and he's like, yeah, you know, secure the bag, lock it down. And so, uh, you know, we, this was a meaningful game for him. Uh, you can see my a son is a camp, making a cameo appearance. Stayed home from school today. <laughs> um, and so uh, the, you know, he's obviously decor- one of the, you know, decorated Pitt high school athlete, went to school there, played right. obviously his college games, uh, then Heinz Field. Uh, and so uh, it, it, it really meant something to him. He had never done that, uh, you know, sn- snuck off. What, I mean, he's gotten game balls, but he's never taken one for himself. Uh, so that was a fun story. And you could see kind of the emotion, uh, the excitement for him and sort of, um, you know, he'd waited basically three and a half quarters. I mean, didn't make a play, only had double right. targets his way, makes two catches late, uh, really tough one uh, that he kind of pirouetted in, the, in midair to get that 93-yard drive kicked off. Um, and then, um, and then obviously fields the onside kick. Um, so, uh, that was a, you know, it was a big deal for him.
0: Well, what, and, is- you
1: know, and I think fans forget wins at Pittsburgh are very rare. That was only his second win in his career at Pittsburgh. I think he lost his first, what was it? Seven or yeah. something like that yes. games yeah. against the Steelers, uh, 16 through 20. Uh, and so, um, you know, he's not going to take that for granted.
0: No, and he shouldn't. The thing that's always impressed me about Tyler Boyd, Mike, speaking with Mike Nizelik of Cleveland.com, follow him on Twitter at Michael Nisalik, all one word. The thing that's always impressed me about uh, Tyler Boyd is how he's handled the star power around him. And certainly with Joe Burrow coming on the scene in 2020, but then with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, uh, essentially in, in consecutive drafts, And he didn't get his nose bent out of shape. And the way he welcomed them in, and they genuinely became the three amigos in terms of the wide receiver core. I think Tyler Boyd deserves a lot of credit for that as a leader, as, you know, a one time captain uh, on that team. He has really been a, to me, a very solid leader in that locker room.
1: Well, I think another example of that was the excitement over Trenton Irwin's touchdown. Like all those guys, you know, Tyler Bard included a veteran. Uh, who doesn't have to worry about that stuff? I mean, he's, he's got other things. I mean, but they were like celebrating that and like excited and like eager that he got another chance. And, um, you know, I think something a lot that's a lot, you know, as a new person on the beat, that's talked a lot about uh, with him is that, you know, during those very, very, very lean years, he was the guy, right. That, you know, would always give the quote that would stand up at his locker. That would answer the questions that would (laughs) have some bad losses. And, you know, he'd be there and that's, uh, it's not an easy thing to do and gets overlooked for fans. And it's like maybe a little inside baseball, but like, that's a player that gets it. That's a player that like, you know, he's not even the top receiver. He's like the third receiver on the team, but has a voice in the locker room, I think is respected. And, um, you know, his sort of I don't know, Mr. Bengal, right now. I mean, one of the players I think that's easily identified, you know, obviously Joe Burrow gets that, but like, he's a guy that's sort of this heart and soul of this team, you know, because he's been through those tough times, him and Sam Hubbard, um, guys that have been here through that.
0: How about Joe Burrow, speaking of Joe Burrow, uh, after the game calling this one of his most satisfying wins? I, when he said it, I'm like, I can see why he said that because to him, I think the wins that mean the most are the ones where the odds are against him stacked against him and the team isn't going well in other words adversity the ability to overcome adversity I think means more to Joe Burrow than a lot of guys Um, certainly you know the great ones have it Peyton Manning Tom Brady uh, certainly they are capable of winning in the clutch winning when the chips are down coming from behind Joe Burrow has that to me. And I think on Sunday, you could tell it in his reaction after the game. He was very satisfied with that win.
1: Well, I think it also, so, you know, he, he downplayed the, uh, the opener, right? He said, oh, it's just a game. You know, it's for, I yeah, it was, I didn't play great, but it's fine. I don't think he was very happy with how he played in that game and, you know, turning it over that many times, you know, most of his career, you know, we saw him in his locker room and he said, well, I always sit like that after a loss. He hasn't really done that since then where he was like staring off despondent, uh, you know, not moving, not talking to anybody, just like really upset. And I think that played into the sort of meaning of it that he, you know, he wanted to beat this Steelers team, you know, a team that they should have beaten the opener probably very handily. I, I think that's fair to say yes. at home, yes. um, you know, the Steelers team hasn't gotten any better. Now they're a rookie quarterback, you know, they replaced Mr. Bixie because he's not very good. Um, so I, I think that played into it. I think that, that, That game, uh, you know, that was a game that was a a very rare occurrence where you're going to turn the ball over five times, and he didn't like it. And and I think it showed. Um, But in terms of like the impact of the win, I think this is a game that they should have won. Like, I mean, there's no question that you know it's like that part of it's kind of a a strange part. But I think the rivalry matters, obviously, like beating the Steelers on the road. Um, But I think it had a lot to do with that first game that he did not he was not happy having turned it over that many times and sort of been at the center of that loss.
0: Look, I mean, the game was 37 30 at the end, but the Bengals won that game going away, you know, 34, 23 up 37, 23. I mean, they controlled the game when they needed to control the game. They got the three and outs defensively to start the second half, which leads me to my next point, Mike. And that is, is the defense good enough without Cheeto Awuzie? to make a playoff run and that's a question I think a lot of fans and a lot of observers like ourselves wonder about can this defense hold up against what's coming down the pike Um, not only this week with a a bruising running back and Derrick Henry one of the best of the modern era but when you talk about the quarterbacks that are going to be coming up in terms of Patrick Mahomes even Deshaun Watson coming back and obviously Josh Allen uh, down the road is the defense going to be able to hold up what do you think
1: Isn't it more of like a question, like the front seven's good, right? Super Bowl caliber. I I think really right now the question, the secondary is the question mark uh, with these corners and kind of the combination. Obviously, you have a rookie on one side, Eli Apple on the other. You know, you saw communication was kind of a mess in that first half, they kind of said, um, and, you know, mistakes were made, and and that kind of, you know, gave Pittsburgh an opening there briefly. Um, But on the flip side, Cam Taylor-Britt, what he had 12 tackles. Yep. Uh, went up against George Pickens and I thought handled himself very well, tackled well, except for that uh, play against Firemuth. Uh, but then he learned from that and then made a tackle later in the game. Um, so he's an intriguing player to me. I think he's got all like the uh, qualities, like skill set you want. Um, but how many plays a game against a team like Kansas City? Like Eli Apple has apparently like a a lapse in that one coverage where pickens got open and they was it pickens in the corner for the touchdown
0: yes it was pickens uh, in the corner that was the flair
1: uh, we were like was that a miscommunication he's like no it was a bad play by eli apple so it's like well okay and he had a, a, a couple of those that led him to be get benched but is it like and cam taylor britt you're gonna have to expect those from now and then because he's gonna see things he's never seen he's gonna play teams that are really good so uh Their margin of error uh, in that secondary will be interesting to watch. Like, can like if Eli Apple has three of those against the Chiefs.
0: So (laughs) here's my bigger issue, though. The reason I think Eli Apple helps them against the Chiefs is essentially with the Chiefs, you want to cut down on the yard after catch because. Patrick Mahomes is going to make his plays. You want to keep the play in front of you. And when you have him in your sights, you want to get the receiver to the ground as quickly as possible. That's why I think the Bengals on Monday, Zach Taylor and Lou Anarumo were making such a big deal about the tackling and and the tackling being a strength of Cam Taylor-Britt because they're going to need him to do that. Certainly he needs to do a better job in pass coverage and communication and all of that, no question. But they're going to have to, in those games, and the Bills as well, S- Stephon Diggs and and uh, their core of wide receivers, Gabe Davis, they're going to have to get those guys to the ground. They're going to have their catches. You just can't have explosive plays after the catch. And the, and the play that stuck out to me that Cam Taylor-Britt made on Sunday was, I believe, on Deontay Johnson right before halftime at the sideline, uh, at midfield. He was on an island. If Deontay Johnson gets past Cam Taylor-Britt, it's probably six points. But he got him to the ground quickly.
1: Yeah, and that's why I, th- like, you know, because I don't think teams have scored on this. You know, that that's how not teams haven't scored that way. It's been cut, sort of like you know, th- and it's been notable that there have been just a few sort of uh, blown plays right. where these those those have created long touchdowns. And so that's why I'm saying like, those are the plays if you have avoid if you've avoided you have sort of maintained your grip on the game. I mean, really, it's hard to score on the Bengals, especially in the second half. Uh, you mentioned the tackling. They, they pressure the quarterback. Uh, their linebackers are all over the place. Um, so that's why I think it's like it's only if they beat themselves that this defense um, can create problems. And they're going to be playing. The, the competition gets better. So I think that's the concern um, in terms of um, facing better quarterbacks like the Bills uh, and, and obviously Mahomes um will you see more of those errors because I, I like i said i think the tackling's fine i just worry about like do those quarterbacks able to take advantage of something that kenny pickett can't right you know that that he's you know you're not worried or, or pj walker i mean like the, the the class of quarterbacks they've faced um you know jacoby set before that and he played well um but i mean you know there's going to be uh, you know, Tannehill maybe is sort of like the start of it, where it's, you know he's a he's a savvy veteran guy that, that can yep. take advantage of some of that stuff. Where now, I think the classic quarterback, uh, Tom Brady, obviously, um, uh, gets a little different here. I mean, the the quarterbacks they've faced through this first ten weeks are, I mean, the uh, second tier, not a who's who I, of who's
0: at the top, right? And I think it's second, safe to say third
1: tier, maybe. <laughs> uh, so that's maybe. generous.
0: Well, P.J. Walker, <laughs> maybe third tier, but. You know, I also think there's some danger in that because we went into the games against the Cowboys. Cooper Rush, for, for example, went into the game um, against the Jets. They actually beat Zach Wilson. But last year it was Mike White and James Rapine of uh, SI.com and Locked On Bengals made the comment to me during the game. I don't know if you heard this. He said it felt the first half felt like Mike White all over again. And that was uh, okay. the fact that it was Kenny Pickett converting four of six third down conversions and the Bengals inability to get off the field in the first half was alarming. That all changed in the second half. And I thought that was significant. I, and
1: I know some people are I having, so I, I covered Virginia tech. So I covered Kenny Pickett four times because he was in college for like 10 years. Yep. Um. So <laughs> I was not as down as on Kenny Pickett as others. Like I, like he's a, older rookie quarterback I mean, he started for four full years at Pitt I mean that's a lot of games at that stadium no less so um, and I think Lou talked about that last week that there's a little, little more of a comfort level when he's there because like that's been home for him so I'm not as down as on 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 you know uh, some of the others were this weekend like w- why they were in that game um, you know he made some bad throws but in that first half I thought he, he played well enough but yeah, I don't know what it is about that that new quarterback smell that kind of gets them off their, their game a little bit, but and then they lock it down in the second half. But I still think you'd rather face him than Patrick Mahomes or, or Josh Allen or Ryan Tannehill. So um, at this point in his career. So uh, they're going to be, and, and I think that's going to put some more stress on that secondary that hasn't played. You know, obviously now with Cam Taylor Britt uh, and obviously not, you know, and Lou talked about this, they're not cheeto followed a guy around now they're playing sides so right. you know your your right. your top your you know the opposing top receiver is not always covered by your best guy um you know so there's going to be i think bumps in the road there um and that that'll be i think lead to some stress sort of in the coming weeks and can they survive that
0: i think drew chrisman i think they have uh, the
1: talent i think they have the talent though uh
0: i think drew chrisman is going to be the punter the rest of the year No.
1: That's not a, a hot take, I don't think. I think that's no, a- I don't think <laughs> it is
0: either. I thought I he was very good on Sunday, and that 40 yarder, uh, in the uh fourth quarter was as big a punt as he's going to have this year. I mean, in, in, in that circumstance, from the enemy end zone on the road in those conditions, that was a big punt.
1: Yeah, and I mean, two the other two were over fifty yards. I mean, that wasn't something you've seen a lot of this season. So fair uh, catches, I believe,
0: on those fifty yarders,
1: and pinned inside the ten yard, and one was muffed. So I mean, um, and he'll have another good, he'll have another good test uh, this week. You know, cold weather at Tennessee, another hostile environment, um, and, and then he gets to kind of come home for a little bit. So I think those were kind of what they were looking at to just make sure you know they have the time to do it. So. No rush, um, and you know, w- once he gets this audition done here in the next maybe week or two, I think you know the job is obviously his.
0: How much have you enjoyed being on this NFL beat as opposed to, like you said, Virginia Tech? How m- how much fun has it been for you?
1: Well, I mean, you know, the travel—I mean, it's intense, man. You know, it's it's a uh, it's 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 a different different world. Uh, you know, I know I knew ex- I expected that, but it's it's fun. Uh, you know, obviously, you're in the locker room a lot more. You're covering. The actual players more. I mean, you're talking to, you know True. you can go four years without talking to a player in college. You know, they, they sign, I don't do anything for a couple of years um, and then they might even leave and transfer. So it is nice to sort of have FaceTime with the people you're covering, you know, in, on a day, daily basis. Uh, and I think it's important. And um, that was part of the lure. Like you want to kind of cover these guys. You want to, you want to talk to them about these things. And uh, the Bengals locker room has been a good locker room for that in terms of the players, you know, a lot of guys, you know, willing to do that. Um, and I thought that was interesting. But Lou was saying that on uh, Monday <laughs> where they have a film session, he called it their dirty laundry session. And look, they use names. And that's, and that's, I think why they're so open about, you know, look, we made a mistake here, or, you know, we didn't do this well. And I think that's reflected in how all the individual players kind of talk about and go about, you know, they don't, it's not criticism, but they'll, they'll take, they'll, they'll say like, why did you do this? And they'll say, I made a mistake. And so that's been kind of fun.
0: Well, and I will tell people watching this and listening to this podcast, uh, and I think other podcasts have touched on this as well, that locker room is filled with leaders. I think it's a very, very good locker room. And the reason that matters is when the crap hits the fan, there's not a, there's no finger pointing. And to your point about Lou, um, and, and he brought this up on Monday, and I thought it was a fabulous point. When Cam Taylor Britt missed an assignment, and uh it was a, an overthrown ball. I forget who the receiver was that fell backwards. It was Pickens. It was, it was Pickens. Right. It was Pickens. And he fell backwards and couldn't keep his feet. Otherwise, it was an easy touchdown. There was no f- palms up from Jesse Bates. Like, what are you doing? And then finger pointing. There was none of that. Bates goes over to Cam Taylor Britt, puts his arm around his shoulder and says, we'll get him next time. Here's what you need to do. And that one action alone to me tells me why that locker room is so tight and why they are able to play when the chips are down when mistakes are made they don't panic and I will tell you and and it's my experience because I was around the team for 20 years in New England the reason the the Patriots were the Patriots one big reason why obviously Tom Brady but As a group, they never panicked and never finger-pointed and never, there was never a sense in that locker room that you're to blame, you're to blame, you're to blame. Uh, It was all collective. And that was the Patriot way. And I see a lot of that here in Cincinnati in my first year and a half, almost two years on the beat. And I think if Bengal fans want want a reason to really feel good about this franchise going forward, that's a big one. Well, and you've seen it
1: at two moments. I mean, they start zero and two, and Zach Taylor is like, "Relax, right?" Well, Joe Burrow said, "Relax," but he said, "We'll be fine." But and then you know, four and four an ugly loss, divisional. They're zero and three in the division uh, to the Browns, and again, he's like, "We're going to be fine." And you know, sometimes you think this is coach speak, but he genuinely believes that this team is battle tested, that they know how to handle adversity, that those things are, you know, they'll be able to get through them. Um, and, and I think that's why Zach Taylor expresses that confidence. Cause I, I think he genuinely believes that this team is close knit, that they're not going to fracture, that they can handle right. those sort of down moments. And in and, and each time they've come through it, uh, you know, to his credit, I mean, he was right at the start, the bounce back, the won the last two games, uh, have an opportunity to win a third, third in a row here against Tennessee. And, and, and I think that speaks to your point that he's let, a, I mean, they've got seven co-captains. They probably have about what? a dozen options if you're, you're being honest like guys that, that could you know easily be captains on this team um, and I think he's letting them sort of use their voice and kind of keep the guys together and, and that's how I think why they feel confident whether the division's in reach just because of the records but they're confident that they're going to be in the playoff mix regardless.
0: He is Mike Nieslick. Does a great job along with Andrew Gillis and Mohammed Ahmad, of uh, covering the Cincinnati Bengals and the NFL for Cleveland.com. Be sure to listen to their podcast. It's a daily podcast, right, Mike? Strictly Stripes. You can call Mostly, it that. Yeah,
1: we, we go on the we go on the we go on the Bengals schedule. So whenever the Bengals are on, we're on. So there five days a week, So yeah.
0: Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, postgame, whatever.
1: The NFL version of daily right?
0: Yes, the NFL (laughs) version of Daily. Be sure to check him out on Twitter at Michael Nizelik, all one word. And also, I want to give you this opportunity. Mike, you working on anything for Thanksgiving? Uh, well, for, cam,
1: I was going to do a story on cam Taylor bread. I talked to him after the game and he's, he's, yeah, I, th- I think people want well, somebody, said, I think maybe Kelsey said this about, uh, you get them when they're rookies. Cause they're really good. And then, and then, yes. then they get more reserved. And so, uh, he's in that stage where he's, he's very open and honest and he was a fun sort of interview. And so talk to some things about what Lou said. And, um, so working on that for, for tomorrow. So, yeah, that'll be up. Um, and cause I think he's, I think he's kind of one of the keys here. You know, to the season, right? A rookie corner, how he holds up. I I absolutely think he's as important of a player as they have right now.
0: Final question: Your favorite turkey fixin'? Turkey Thanksgiving
1: fixin'? This is my hot take. I'm not a huge Thanksgiving guy. Mm. I'm a a ham on Thanksgiving. I'm I'm a ham on Thanksgiving guy. Like, are you? uh, That's yes, yes, yes. So that's that's my hot take for today. I'm sorry. if that. I hope that doesn't get me disinvited from the podcast. Uh,
0: it will not. Uh, you were okay. outstanding, Mike. So I'm going to give Thanks. you my hot take at stuffing right. and mashed potatoes. Uh, I'm a big right. carbs guy. Yeah. So not great for the waste. Yes, but I will be sleeping very well late Thursday afternoon. And then I usually wake. What I usually do is if the Cowboy game, which is usually the 425 game, uh, if that's a blowout, um, I go to sleep like early fourth quarter, get up in time for the Sunday night game. So that's uh, Patriots-Vikings, by the way. I think that is a fascinating. Well, oh,
1: there you go. It's a big game.
0: So yeah. happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, Mike. And make, Yours sure, as well. uh, make sure your son uh, makes another cameo in the next time <laughs> you okay. – Come on. The Jungle Roar podcast would love to have him and you uh, join us uh, the next time. Make sure you follow him again on Twitter at Michael Nizelik, all one word. Does a great job covering the Bengals and the NFL for Cleveland.com. For Mike Nizelik and I'm Mike Petralia, Trags. Thanks for watching and be sure to subscribe to the link below on YouTube. Uh, and I want to hear all of your comments, good, bad, and indifferent, about coverage of the Cincinnati Bengals. Thanks again for watching.